Hey everybody, it's Kyle with the Building Automation Drive, and uh, this week we're going to talk a little bit about networking. So, I ran into a situation early on uh, during my apprenticeship, and I had no idea what the problem was, or what I was doing, or how to fix it, or anything like that. And so, uh, <laughs> me being me, I just dove right into it. Uh, the cool thing is, apparently, nobody else had a, uh, an idea of how to fix it either. But um, so here's the story: we had a, I wanted to say it was about thirty story, somewhere in there, thirty story building, and we had stuff. We had control of almost the entire building. Uh, what we were waiting on was tenant build-outs would happen on occasion, you know, and that's when we would take over the new stuff um, and make it digital. And so what we had was two new floors got done. And as soon as those two new floors got done by, by another technician who was significantly more senior to myself, especially at that time, uh, uh, we just started losing big giant chunks of the building. Uh, it's just started falling apart. And you would sit up at the uh, the operator workstation in, in the facilities office and just see 70, 80% of the devices on the network go away. And I, if you searched for one, like so in the system we were using, all of the devices would show up in the network tree, but then they would lose communication. They'd X out. And you, you could still see a descriptor there for them, but you couldn't see that you could tell that there was no activity and you couldn't see anything on them. So if you clicked on one, it would, it was like the system would go out and find information on that one device. So this is often typical of uh, network conflicts. So if there's two device 100s, then, pardon me, goodness, I bore myself to death. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, if there's two device 100s, then they're going to create a conflict and they're not going to talk right. And if there's devices underneath them, like device 101, 102, 103, then device 100, device 200, well, 200 got numbered 100. Now you've got two 101s, two 102s, two 103s, etc. And the way the network's broken up, it really falls apart fast. Um, so it kind of was acting like that, but that was not the case. Um, so what I ended up doing, being the new guy, and nobody else actually, I'm, I understood later on, nobody else really knew what to do either. They just said, hey, Kyle, uh, you're cheap. Go out there and poke around, see what you find. And so I did. I did exactly that. I started going to all of the what we called system level controllers and plugging into them, seeing what I could see. And what I found very quickly by going to every single one of these controllers uh, was that they all worked. You know, I started taking very detailed notes and I could see that when I plugged into 
device 100 on the first floor that I could see it and all of the VAVs underneath it. So then I'd go up to the second floor to device 200 and I could see it and all of its VAVs underneath it. And I, I, I went through this many, many times, obviously. Um, there was not a device per floor. There was one for every two or three floors, which um, is a whole other topic on network design within building automation that uh, we can have later. But anyway, uh, so I went into... I went into every controller and I could see everything underneath it. So, and no, there were no network conflicts that I could see. So everything lined up in that regard. So what's the problem? Well, what I started doing was looking at the network riser diagram that we had, and I had to do a little uh, redlining, some editing with the old red pen and discovered that there was really only three access points for the for the entire network, and as I got into it more and more, I'd like I unplugged the bottom one, uh, like down at the first, second, third floor, something like that, and went back all the way up to the top of the building and looked at their workstation, and suddenly I could see everything that was still plugged in, and it worked perfectly. Soon as I plugged that bottom part of the network back in, I started losing stuff. So I unplugged the top part of the network and I could see the bottom two thirds. It was amazing. I'm like, well, what the heck? What's my commonality here? What's going on? And what I realized were these, these switches, the, the network switches that uh, we were plugged into. Like, well, okay, one of them must be bad. Well, which one? Because of the way I just did it, it didn't really make sense. So I looked at them, I took a picture of them, and I started you know, looking up what it was. It wasn't a network switch, it was a network hub. I'm like, okay, a hub, so what? Zippity-doo-dah. And I started doing a little uh, Google Foo on, uh, on these things and realized the differences between a hub, a switch, and a router and what that all meant. So. Just log this in your memory banks, this little story, we're gonna come back to it. So what's the difference between a hub, a switch, and a router? So a hub is exactly that. It's just a hub. It, it's just a place where information gets dumped in and sent out, uh, gets spun out to all the, down all the spokes on that wheel from the hub. So think of it this way. If you have an eight port switch, or sorry, an eight port hub. <laughs> um, and on that eight port hub, some a message comes in on the first port, the first socket, uh, and it says, hey, this is for Johnny. Well, what's it the hub do? It just takes that message and it dumps it down sockets two through eight. And hopes that the message gets to Johnny because it knows it came in from one and it went down all the others. So it just sends it down all the others. That's it. That's all a hub does. So everybody gets Johnny's message. Everybody except Johnny ignores it because they don't care and they've got other things to do. 
but it takes a little bit of processing for them to say, uh, what? And Johnny's message going down seven sockets, seven wires that it doesn't belong going down, well, six that it doesn't belong going down, um, creates congestion eventually. And that's exactly what we had in this building, was every message that was trying to get outside, past its system level controller, past the first floor, you know, controller that, that brought everything in for that floor, uh, was congesting the entire system. It was going down everything because they had three hubs through this building. So messages were stacking up. Useless traffic was just bogging down this network. And when we added those two floors, that's when we had a problem. That's when things really got funky. And so... <clears throat> uh, uh, what my solution was was to put switches in because what now you're asking yourself of course what does a switch do well so a switch brings in johnny's message that's to him from the first socket and it says hey where's johnny and so it sends out a quick broadcast a short small broadcast message and says hey johnny where you at johnny says oh down here i'm down six and so the switch creates a little table and it says okay johnny is on number six so now any message that comes in for johnny only gets sent down number six isn't that amazing just think of that that reduction in traffic on just an eight port switch so instantly all my problems in this building for that in that regard on this instance uh, went away so the switch keeps a table of who is where and it updates that table periodically but it, it just keeps track of everything kind of sends out the hey who's down here oh i'm down here <laughs> and that's it so Traffic now only gets sent to the person, or at least down down the street where you live on, instead of getting sent down every street in town. Uh, so that's good. That creates a, a, a much, much more efficient network. Now, a managed switch is uh, what was recommended to me um after the fact of course the owner of the company said well what you really should have done was sell them a managed switch uh and, and like, oh oh okay so i had to think about this a little bit and i have since decided that uh, actually no no a managed switch was not the device uh that was appropriate in this situation but what is a managed switch <clears throat> so it's a switch that gets managed by the human so now what we're doing is saying okay johnny lives on uh, number six street uh you know port port six or the socket number six whichever you like and so we're only going to send traffic for him down that one but we're going to manage this and we're going to say 
anything from the IRS, Johnny doesn't get. <laughs> Is that good or bad? I don't <laughs> As much as we hate those, I think that's probably bad. Um, but anyway, um, so we're going to manage that traffic. So maybe we're only going to say anything going down this port for Johnny is we're going to throw away everything that's not on being communicated on port 47808. Now 47808 is the default uh, port for backnet communication. Now this is where networking gets kind of goofy and uh, a little confusing, and I may have been confusing you already with the terminology I've been using, because you've heard me say socket. Well, you know that on an <clears throat> eight-port switch, that it has eight ports, right? Well, yeah, except there's two different kinds of ports in networking technology. There's the physical port that you plug your wire into, and then there's the port of communication. And those go all over the place, and they get to be big numbers. So, as I just said, BACnet's default communication port is 47808. Now, you can kind of sort of think of these logical ports as being um, kind of tunnels within... within uh, uh, within your communication they're kind of like little tunnels it's a it's a, a bit of a channel it's not really that but it's a bit of a channel down your communication line and it keeps everybody segregated where they're supposed to be and and helps things move a little faster so we can say hey just 47808 is going down this line to talk to johnny okay cool great that's fantastic um so that reduces the traffic down that line even more substantially. Um, I, let me back up just a second. So the difference between ports, you will often hear me refer to the physical port, uh, the hole that a, a cable gets plugged into as a socket because that's what it is. And we don't have anything else called a socket that I know of. Um, that gets all twisted around in people's minds. So that's why I'm saying that. And quite frankly, uh, it, well, for one, it gets a little hard because that's not the normal lexicon. Um, but I actually will encourage you guys to do the same thing. Um, let's, let's start making a new lexicon. How about that? So we're only going to send... Port 47808 traffic down socket number six, down line six to talk to Johnny. That's a managed switch. And you have to get in as the technician and configure that. And so that, that can cause some, uh, that can cause some added steps, obviously. But if you have a big network, it's, it might be necessary. Uh, it was not necessary in the case that I talked about at the beginning of this, uh, it it wouldn't it just wouldn't have helped. It, 
we didn't need that kind of granularity and it might have actually hurt because of the way that that particular control system operated that it, it may not have uh, it didn't react well to to a lot of layers we would have had to have gone back and changed ip addresses and made things have ip control and um probably would have had to have adjusted a lot of graphics and all kinds of silly things and it would have been more of a debacle just throwing a dumb switch in there was the perfect solution because it cost us uh 60 bucks i think the three switches were 20 bucks a piece or something um and and and, and it worked and the customer had just a little bit more confidence in us before now the customer brought up an interesting thing uh why didn't you guys know this was coming well this gets into a very deep topic on how uh, on how building automation systems are engineered in general anyway and um probably something i ought to talk about here soon uh because what happens is we're really bad at bringing back red lines um the draw the the construction drawings that we uh bleed a gallon of red ink all over correcting a lot of times folks don't even do those you don't correct things as you go and so you don't know what uh what changes were made and you should be taking those red lines and bringing them back to the engineer and he should be making those edits to the construction drawings into a fine set of as-built drawings that can go to uh go back to the customer and say hey this is what you have they can then be saved uh and and referenced again on the next job and say yo hey we've got hubs in here can you believe that wait what's the network traffic capability on these hubs and how many vavs do we have and blah blah blah. we're going to add 50 more and oh we better switch out these hubs to switches because we're going to overload these things we're going to start having no that just doesn't happen um should it yes was this customer right yes absolutely he was uh now he wasn't exactly the politest about it but that's a whole other story um he was absolutely right we should know these things and and shame on us for not for not keeping track of these things and for not being proactive in network health that said um again networking is very rarely uh even acknowledged within the building automation industry so i think that's starting to change a little bit but it's a confusing topic and not very many people understand it so that's why it doesn't happen very well uh it, it, it just or very often so um let's uh fall back here a little bit so we covered hubs switches managed switches what's a router well a router is sort of like a managed switch um and 
a router works on uh, layer three of the OSI model, the networking layer. It, wor it works on uh, works off of uh, IP addresses, basically. And so what you can do with a router is you can combine different subnets. Uh, so you can have your, um, let's think of like a college campus that's got a lot of buildings on it. So you can have uh, the main administration building and everything inside of it be on the 192.168.1. whatever network. And its subnet mask is going to be 255.255.255.0. Uh, we call that a 24-bit uh, subnet mask. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. But... Uh, you're going to hear me say that or, uh, uh, probably. I'm probably going to squeak that out, either a 24-bit a, a subnet mask or a WAC 24. And um, again, we'll talk about that more in detail in another episode. But just so you know right now, that's what it means. So the admin building is 192.168.1.whatever. Yeah, every one of your devices is going to be uh, dot 10, dot 11, dot 12, dot 30, whatever you come up with. So now your science building, we're going to put that on the 192.168.2. whatever uh, uh, subnet. And we're going to put the dormitory on the 192.168.3. whatever network isn't that awesome you've now just opened yourself up to having a whole bunch of devices because you see you've got 255 choices within each uh each octet so that 192.168.1 dot you can have zero through 255 there um you're kind of limited because you can't actually use you. You don't. You generally use zero, and you can't use 255. So you know you, you've got 253 choices basically, uh, 254 choices, and so that's cool. Um, but what if you've got more than that on that subnet in your dormitory? It's possible you could have more than that many devices in there. So you switch over to a different uh sub well i can't if if i use up all if i use up 200 devices in one building then i don't have enough for the all the other buildings so that's why we can break that up by the third octet being one two three because you get 254 choices every time you change that that's super cool um and that's one of the beauties of subnetting. So a router allows you to combine, uh, essentially, different subnets. Because, see, once you're talking on 192.168.1, it can't talk to 192.168.2 without a router. Can't do it through a switch. Can't do it through a managed switch. Don't even try it on a hub. <laughs> and, and quite frankly, at this point, hubs are hard to find. Nobody uses them anymore. Um, they use switches. But 
that's where a router comes in is combining subnets uh and there it's fantastic yes it requires more prior planning and yes it requires skill in setting up the the router but that's what we do we don't do these things we, oh, i'm not doing that it's too hard well, that's a big pile of bs you do it because it's the right thing to do it's how you manage the network it's how you set it up for better future proofing um so routers are valuable and understanding the concepts behind them is very very valuable uh it's something i definitely suggest you read up on understanding subnetting is huge you definitely need to know subnetting and how that works and how a subnet mask works and what the difference is between a 24-bit and a 23-bit and an 8-bit or whatever you know subnet mask what does all that mean? We'll talk about that maybe at a later time. That's going to be hard for a podcast, I think, for most folks. Um, it's visual. It's going to be hard for me to explain. Um, I find it to be very visual for most people. But, uh, you know, it might be good. Might, it's worth giving a shot, right? Um, so real quick overview. We covered the differences between a hub, a switch, and a router. Um, some different applications for each one of them. And uh, the general rule of thumb is don't use hubs. Use a switch. Uh, a managed switch may be very beneficial, and a router may be very beneficial as well if you're looking to uh, manage larger networks and uh, 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 increase your security. You can increase the security of your network a lot through routers as well. Um, one thing I didn't get into, and this is a very deep concept, and outside of the realm of most BAS professionals, is the uh, is, is micro con uh, segmentation. Micro segmentation that can be super cool. That's where you start working on the actual port level, 47808, etc. And that's super awesome. But we'll talk about that another time. And so I'm going to catch you guys loose because I'm at my first stop. And uh, yeah, until the next time, enjoy the drive.